Hi, everyone. This is Heather Vickery, and you have tuned into the Brave Files podcast. Y'all, it is a good day. Wow, have we been on a roller coaster ride uh, of epic proportions, certainly for the last four years, but the last week. Wow, wow, wow. You know, I think it's going to be one of those questions we ask um, often about really tragic things, like where were you when this happened? But I think with the 2020 election, we're going to say, where were you when you found out that Biden-Harris won the 2020 election? I was having breakfast by myself, which is a magical thing I love to do, sitting outside because I was being uh, pandemic responsible, having breakfast alone outside and listening to CNN Live. And when they started to call in the prediction, I jumped up and started screaming on the sidewalk and sharing the news with everyone around me. And I could hear people screaming and shouting and hollering and hooping and hollering for blocks away. And it was an absolutely incredible, magical moment. Uh, then I called my children and we all cried together and it was really joyful. So so much to be grateful for in that space right now and over the moon um, excited. We have a lot of work to do now though. Now it's time. We have celebrated, um, I have celebrated in a big way watching especially Vice President-elect Harris give her speech on Saturday night was one of the most impactful, incredible experiences of my life sitting with uh, a few of my daughters watching and then hearing the president-elect talk about LGBTQ folks and trans folks and gay folks and disabled and systemic racism, um, just the inclusiveness of it and the hopefulness of it. We have an amazing amount of work to do, but at least now we have a, a place to start from that's not a deficit and it's pretty exciting. So with that note, I want to tell you, though, if you're, if you're a regular listener of the show, you know that for Thanksgiving every year, we typically release a gratitude episode. And this year, we decided to wait until January 2021. What are we grateful for now? What are we hopeful for? What did we learn from 2020 that's good, um, right? We want to focus on the things that are positive. So keep your eyes out for that. We are going to do a gratitude episode but it will not come out until January 2021. We're going to start having you call in and share what you're grateful for early on in December. So be ready for that. And the other super cool thing, which we've been working on behind the scenes, everyone at Team Brave has been working really hard on, we have an entire shop open now. Um, the, we have all kinds of gear and all kinds of swag that are Brave AF and Grateful AF branded. So if you want to grab your Grateful AF or Brave AF mug, leggings, t-shirt, hats, uh, cups, anything you can think of, we have so many cool things. We have stickers, so many fun things. Visit vickeryandco.com slash shop. It's that simple, vickeryandco.com slash shop. And you can see all the really cool swag. We're showing lots of pictures on Instagram, which is at Vickery and Co. and Facebook and Twitter. So you can check it all out. All right, y'all. So this week's episode is one that I really love, actually. As has been evidenced by all of 2020, life is messy. We often feel conflicting emotions. We feel them all the time. The truth is nothing is ever black and white. It's not all good or bad. It's not all happy or sad. And these contradictions can be really scary because we want answers. We want truths, but sometimes there are several truths that exist at once. So this week I talked to a woman who embraces life's contradictions. Sarah Wiles, who describes herself as a motherless mother, and we do talk about that in the episode, is a mentor and a coach who understands that life is far more rewarding when we allow ourselves the grace to feel ambivalent. It's a really fun episode. It's a fun conversation, and it's filled with truths and perspectives that as a culture, we don't often allow ourselves to explore. So I'm super excited to share it with you. Here's the show. Introspective, resilient, and forgiving. This is Heather Vickery, and you're listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. When we choose bravely in big and small ways, it powerfully elevates our lives. 
I hope these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement of courageous living that enriches both our lives and our communities. And if you enjoy the show, I ask you to please share it with others. Maybe think of someone who you want to choose bravely right alongside you. Thanks for tuning in. Now here's the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Brave Files podcast. I'm so very happy to have you here with us. Each and every one of us is a product of our own environment. We learn who and how to be by our family members, friends, classmates, community members. But what happens when you need to be or do something that you were never taught to be or do? Today's guest is Sarah Wiles, and she joins us to talk about mothering without a mother and of her own emotional healing and everything she's had to experience in the process. Sarah, welcome to The Brave Files. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited about this conversation. It's a conversation that we have not yet had in in all the years we've been doing the podcast, and you are a well-rounded, incredible wonderful woman, business owner. There's a lot of good stuff we could talk about, (laughs) but we zeroed in on this because I I think it's something that um, we forget. Like, you know, I think we either become exactly like our parents or exactly Mm. opposite of our parents. And that may be. So let's give folks a little bit of background information. I mentioned that you're mothering without (laughs) having a mother of your own, but Mm. there's a little bit more to that story, right? Can you share that with us? Totally. So, you know, to be to be open, honest and transparent, I have a living biological mother. It's just that I don't have an active relationship with that person. And I have not had an active relationship for the past five years with that person with that person intentionally, you know, and and on purpose. Yeah. So, you know, grew up with a woman who I call and still call my mother. I just was unable to keep a relationship with her in my life. Um, She is someone who I believe, I don't want to speak for her because that's not a fair thing to do, but I believe suffers from, from a mental illness and a personality disorder. And I, you know, got to a point, of course, with the birth of my son, of course, you know, it's like, it makes so much sense that those two things intersected, both becoming a mother and uh, Mm -hmm. losing a relationship with my own mother. Um, with the birth of my son, I just came to the conclusion that it wasn't a healthy relationship for me to be in anymore for myself as, you know, as her with, as being my mother and also as, as entering into this stage of mothering my own son, I, I I just could not be in that unhealthy relationship any longer if I was going to show up as a healthy mother to my son. Yeah. I love that you said that. Uh, I, I have a wonderful mother that I adore. Um, we all learn things we do want to repeat from Mm -hmm. our parents and things we don't. So I Mm -hmm. won't pretend that every moment is perfect, but I also, went down a a journey of like learning to maybe stick up for myself a little bit more mm. to advocate more when I had my first child because it mattered more and it wasn't about me it was about her and so I yes. hear what you're saying that for him this had to be your choice yeah yeah absolutely it's a wild thing that happens when you become a parent right it's like you're automatically forced to be a completely selfless creature when you know for the first however many years of your life you've been a very selfish creature um you know for (laughs) because biology right that's literally how we're made uh and i think it's fascinating and i think that's kind of the passage that a lot of people talk about becoming a mother right a lot of people talk about feeling like they gave birth to both a human and to themselves at the exact same time And I I think you really beautifully demonstrated that there. Mm, Giving birth to a human and yourself. Yeah. And that isn't to take anything away from folks who don't have children. But there is Mm. something about that. Everything shifts. Everything. Everything shifts. Okay. So I don't know how much detail you want Mm -hmm. to give on the relationship that you had with your mother um, that you did not want that was toxic. but. And you're welcome. I invite you to share as much as you want. I know folks want to hear that. Um, Totally. So I just want to be clear that anything that I share is from my own perspective, and I don't want to speak Mm. for her, right? It's, you know, I'm going to share my own feelings around the relationship, but I'm not 
it's only one side of of a story. And of course, I just want to honor the fact that she's also a human being with feelings and emotions. And um, so this is, these are just my own personal feelings. Um, You know, my, my understanding of her is that she has a personality disorder that is called borderline personality disorder. And if Mm. anyone has a family member with that or knows about that, you, you probably know that it's very hard to be in healthy, boundaried uh, relationship with somebody who who has that. And I think for much of my life, I, I, one, didn't know or understand what that meant or what that was. I also very much didn't know what was normal and what wasn't normal because all that I knew was my mother and the way that she was. Yeah. And then, right, you grow older. I went away to college. I had more experiences and was exposed to more people. And, you know, when you kind of pull back from that or when I pulled back from what I knew as normal, I started to see things in a different light. And so between the ages of 18 and 29, which was when I I had my son, um, that relationship was very hard. And it really wasn't, again, until until the birth of my son that I realized I no longer had the capacity to allow really a very one-sided um, uh, relationship to work in my life anymore. Yeah. And that, Ooh. I have to tell you, Heather, <laughs> like... I, I talked to, so first of all, one of the reasons I, I really am so happy that we're having this conversation is because I personally held so much shame around this uh-huh. for a very long time, right? Yeah. As, you know, a, a, a woman and someone who, you know, has struggled with my own feelings of enoughness my whole life, uh, <laughs> right? Then you kind of throw this onto the onto the fire, onto the fire of already being a human being with your own feelings and emotions and, and internal work to do. And, and then, you know, now I make a conscious decision to not have a relationship with my mother. And there's so much shame that I carried around for so long. And and what I realized was the second I started opening up about this story to people, so many other women said, oh my gosh, I have the same story or I have a really similar story or I'm always afraid to tell people that I don't speak to my mother or I have a really strained relationship with Mm. my mother because I feel like I've done something wrong or I'm not enough or, you know, whatever it is. And so the more that that happened, the more that in my brain, I started going, wait a minute, if people are feeling like this and they're feeling alone in in these feelings and emotions, then I have to start talking about it more, right? I can be part of that healing and that change for other people while I'm also being a part of that for myself. Oh, I love that. And they always say we teach what we most need to learn. Truth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious, because of the relationship you'd had growing up with your mother, mm. did you ever question whether or not you wanted to be a mother or whether or not you would be a good one? Great question. And I think it's so funny because I, I was never the child who wanted to have children. Mm. I was never the child who, you know, wanted to babysit kids. I remember I did babysit (laughs) growing up and I remember it was like, I'm literally here for pizza money, not because I like to hang out with kids. I'm sorry, but it's true, right? Like I've never been a kid person and I have no idea if that's, you know, related to, to my experience or not, but... It was really never in my periphery until one day it was. And I, I, I remember the exact moment. My husband and I had had uh, bought a home. We lived in Atlanta for five years before we moved to Florida. And we were walking down a side street. And I remember looking at, at – and we had already been – I think we were married for six or seven years before we had my son. And so people would ask us all the time, are you having kids? Are you having kids? And my answer was always, I mean, if I decide I want to, yes, but I haven't decided that I want to. <laughs> yeah. And then one day we were walking down the street and I remember seeing a woman and a man and they had a baby in a carriage, like an infant. And I literally, the the words that came into my brain were, I want that. Mm. (laughs) And that was it. (laughs) That was the moment. You may be too young for this to resonate mm. with you because I know that you're younger than me, but it reminds me of uh, the scene in When Harry Met Sally where they're playing I Spy. She's playing with a, a nephew or, or babysitting. Mm. And the little one says, I spy a family. And that's oh. when it hits her. Like, I want a family. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. So it's a great mm-hmm. movie. I don't know. Yeah. No, Dating I haven't myself, seen it. perhaps. You haven't seen When Harry Met Sally? I haven't seen it. No, but I'm oh. not a movie person, so it might just be me. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. Um, it's a cl- it's a classic, for sure. But yeah, it's this um, really poignant scene. So I get that. So you didn't know you wanted it until you mm. wanted it. Mm-hmm. Is that indicative of your personality in all ways? Like mm. um, when when it presents itself to you, you go, mm-hmm. okay. And now that's 
what my intuition is telling me and now I go after it? Is that yeah, I'm a pretty zero to 100 <laughs> type of person anyway. I'm, I'm very quick to make decisions and I'm very quick to execute on decisions. So it's a good... Uh, Good parallel there. I'm glad that you noticed that because I never picked up on that. <laughs> I could, I can see it. Well, I know, and we'll let you share with folks in a little bit um, what you do professionally. And I can totally see yeah. that being your like, oh, I know I'm going to do this. I see it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to do that. All right. So you you saw this family in the park and mm. you thought, oh, I, I want children. I want to mm-hmm. do this. Um, was that full throttle or was there ever mm-hmm. a moment where you're like, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't have a mother to teach me how to be a mother. I don't know how to do this. That really didn't dawn on me yet. I don't know how as far as like, I have no idea what I'm doing in the realm of like having and caring for a child for Mm -hmm. sure every day and also every day since, by the way. Right. That (laughs) never really goes away. (laughs) No. There's no manual. No. It's the same as entrepreneurship. I think the parallels between motherhood and entrepreneurship are so beautiful (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it feels the same. Um but no, I, it, none of that really dawned on me. I had no idea that I would have this experience and, and almost this like own inner turmoil that I would have once I had my son as it related to my own relationship with my mother. No clue until it happened. And then and it so, happened. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about it happening. What what happened? And, and then what, what did you do about it? Because yeah. you, you don't strike me as the kind of person who just lets shit happen to you. No, no, I'm really, <laughs> which I think is like, is really a, a very good point And kind of, I would love to also talk about how I came to that decision and then what that decision feels like today, five years later. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So we just had a very, uh, un, and again, I, I just want to be conscious of, you know, sh- sharing my story, but not, um, name your calling story, or, yeah, I just want to be, be conscious of that. I but, appreciate that. Yeah. Just a very, um, a very bad experience where she came into our home after I had my son and you know m- my my best word for what happened was she misbehaved very badly and was un, un was hurtful to my husband and to myself and that was the point and it it was like you were saying before whereas before you know you can hurt me and I can make a conscious decision for that to be okay but once there's this teeny tiny beautiful baby that you know I just spent 48 hours in labor <laughs> pushing out, right? right? I am not here for that anymore. Not and so and so it, it it was a very hard decision. It was a harrowing decision, but it was a very quick one. It just felt like I don't have space, availability, capacity for this. And and at that point it was just for right now. Um but for right now has turned into uh, f- for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Is there are there moments of, and I'm not trying to, I feel like I keep asking you all of these leading questions that I want some sort of trauma to be exposed, which really isn't the case. Yeah. But um, I want to be really clear with it all because when when we connected about having you on the show, Mm -hmm. this is what you wanted to, you were like, this is really what I think is powerful to share. And so Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I get all of those points Mm -hmm. across. So are there moments of... uh, difficulty trauma where you go fuck it like it would be really nice to have a mother mentor here like I don't know how to do this or has it just been this is what I'm in like pull up my bootstraps and let's just figure this out so I think it's both I cannot tell you how many times just you know from a, a mothering and parenting standpoint you know, when you're in that baby phase and it's your first child, he's also my only child, Mm -hmm. you know, and they get a rash or they're running a low fever, you know, I wanted someone to call and someone to be in it with me. You know, the, the beauty is I have people to do that. I have wonderful friends and wonderful family and people who, who do mother me, um, which is, which is amazing, but it's not my mom, you know? Yeah. And I, I have wanted and missed out on and felt a lot of sorrow and grief around not having that and still do to this sure. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, I'm wondering, though, you on some level must have somebody must have filled that role for you. And I'll tell mm. you why I say that, like in your whole life, because uh, I know some people that come to mind very specifically who have two sets of parents who love them and that mm. they're very close to. But those parents um, aren't terribly thoughtful or kind. Mm. They're not <laughs> nurturing. They don't cook meals. They don't yeah. have 
routines. They didn't have these folks that I'm thinking of are adults, right? Mm -hmm. And so as functioning adults, they don't know, still to this day, they have their own children, how to cook a meal or Mm -hmm. um, how to be particularly thoughtful and kind because it just isn't something that that they ever saw. Mm -hmm. And you are, and you are nurturing, and you are self-aware enough to go, wait, hold on. You can't come up in here and do this. So mm. somebody loved you really <laughs> hard. I can just tell. Yeah. So, and I, and I, I'm so glad that you brought up this question because I think it opens up a conversation into something that I really wanted to talk about too, as it relates to this whole concept of, you know, mothering without a mother and consciously stepping back from a, a, a mother relationship, a mother-daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. She was not all bad. <laughs> okay. Despite, yeah. you know, despite this, this mental health and these mental health issues. Uh, you know, the, the most beautiful part for me is that, uh, I have a a stepdad. He's actually an ex stepdad. So he is divorced from my mother Mm -hmm. who I have a very close relationship with. And so when I was navigating these waters, they were already divorced and I had another human on the planet who understood what it looked like to be in close relationship with her in that way. That's huge. So I had someone to process every single piece of this with and to go through every, you know, every little thing that happened and to say, am I crazy or did this or did she just do this? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And and that was huge for both of us and our own healing. But what I will say is a lot of my compassion, a lot of my empathy actually comes from her, which almost, I think, made me be in that relationship for longer than I probably should have been because I had to wrestle and wrangle with it is possible for someone to have really beautiful, wonderful, amazing qualities and ones that are a, a, a deal breaker in a relationship at the exact same time. Yeah. That's a chill inducing statement yeah. for me. And I'm constantly working with my clients to say, you can have contradictory emotions and feelings at the mm. same time. You can be happy and sad and scared and excited and all of those things can coexist. And so when you say, you can love somebody and they mm-hmm. can be wonderful in many ways and still not be healthy for you to have in your life. Mm-hmm. There's room for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it, it, it it was a lot to mentally process. Now, what yeah. I will say is a lot of what I have, a lot of the good that I'm holding on to is from a lot earlier in my life. It's not, you know, from later in my life. It's not from my, you know, mm-hmm. late teen and early 20s and into 30s. It's it's from my, my very early years. But there was a lot of goodness there and a lot of hardship. And they both existed at the same time. And still do. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. That's really, really, really impactful. So becoming a mother the kind of mother that you want to be. That doesn't mean Mm. you're perfect because none of us are. Uh, We all make mistakes, but hopefully we are of a a parenting generation, even though, (laughs) as I mentioned earlier, I am much older than you, but we are of a parenting generation um, where we're so much more aware, I think, than Mm. our parents were of how our behavior Mm -hmm. impacts our children. Mm -hmm. Um, Tantrums aren't always because our children are assholes. It's probably because we didn't (laughs) communicate well, we didn't set good boundaries, we didn't set clear (laughs) expectations, like what can we do to change the outcome of a situation? But as you've learned through all of this, what's been the biggest struggle? As it relates to my relationship with my mother or lack thereof, or as it relates to mothering another child? I think as it relates to mothering is what I'm asking. Yeah, for you as a mother. Mm. So uh, the biggest struggle for me, when I I had my son, I I had... um, undiagnosed postpartum depression for 16 months. Mm, Ouch. Yeah. And again, for me, I mentioned this, you know, I've got a really fun case of enoughness. That's like, that's my thing under the thing that I'm always working through. And it came up in motherhood where it really came up and that I figured out through a lot of therapy sessions, thank God, (laughs) um, was I put so much pressure on myself to be the best mother that I possibly could be because I felt like my mother didn't do that for me. Mm, yeah. And what I would find myself doing was kind of what you're doing, right? The, okay, so I know this. I know that the tantrums aren't actually about me. I know it's because he's a tiny human with really big emotions and feelings, and he just doesn't know how to process them, right? But sometimes, as parents, we lose our shit, <laughs> right? 
And then I would make myself feel so bad and, be, and feel so wrong for losing my shit. And so I, I held myself to this impossibly high standard because I just never wanted to do the things to my son that my mother did to me, e- even though I think most of them were very unconscious and non-intentional. And so that's been the hardest thing for me is working yeah. through how do I show up as the best possible mother for my son and also show up as the best possible mother for myself because it's really on me to mother myself now through all yeah. of this. Oh, Yeah. And how do I not try to be perfect, but just do my best every day? That has mm. been the biggest struggle. But I can tell you, Heather, once I pinpointed that in therapy, it was <laughs> almost like I had a lens, right? And so every time I would start to give myself a, a hard time, I would go, wait a minute, is this actually helpful here? And is anywhere on the planet, is there some sort of guidebook that says that you're supposed to be the perfect mother all the time? Mm. No. Okay, cool. So I guess I can give myself a break here. Yeah. It's all right. You know, just the bullshit society, right? That like, wants to pretend everything's supposed to be perfect. But I, I really just think we're we're canceling that perfection culture mm-hmm. bit by bit. And mm-hmm. your ability to step out of yourself and say, wait a minute, what is this helping? What is this serving? <laughs> um, mm. I apologize to my kids mm. all the time. And it's as much for me as it is for them. I mean, forgiveness is really a gift we give ourselves. Mm. So um, I have to forgive myself and then I ask them for forgiveness Mm. and it's this really lovely healing process. But it gives them permission to screw up and make mistakes Mm -hmm. um, because that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. What has been the most pleasant surprise for you as it comes to being a mother? (sighs) Okay. First, I'm going to tell you what was unpleasant. Okay. <laughs> and it'll make pleasant. Sound, okay. Make so much more sense. <laughs> I did not like the baby phase of being a mother. Mm. That was my least favorite part. It was this like tiny, smushy, scary thing. And it was yelling all the time. And it was never sleeping. And then there was the breastfeeding. And then that was a shit show. It was, the whole thing was a hot mess. <laughs> I swear, ever since a year, every new age is like my favorite age. So mm. now he's almost five. Yeah. And he's funny. And, you know, he's like discovered that farting is hilarious and so (laughs) right like now he's farting everywhere and then laughing and then we start laughing and like it's just parenting is is simultaneously the hardest thing that you'll ever do in your whole entire life and the thing that you derive the most joy from and getting able to being able to witness him become a person and and allowing him to just be his own person and watching that and witnessing that has been so much fun yeah. It really is fun to watch them become people and to see how they communicate. And and sometimes they drive me insane. <laughs> my littlest one, all I want is to just, like, attach myself to my, to my youngest because uh, I have four. And so we're doing all of the first of the lasts. Mm. Or the last of the first, I should say. Uh, you know, the last day of second. The, the mm. last time I will take a kid to second grade. The last time we'll lose a first tooth all of those things and she's like such her own independent little woman she'll put her hand up she'll be like oh we're not doing that right now and i'll say oh oh we're we're not hugging she goes no Mm -mm. no we're not doing that right now i'll let you know oh how old is she seven oh Oh my gosh. Yeah, she's like, nope, I don't have any hugs for you right now. But They are just wild you know. little creatures. It, but, but they're the, so cute. They're so cute. But when I was little, mm. if I did that, mm. and I love my family, and I love my mother, but I would have been melt with, met with the biggest heap of guilt you can ever imagine. Oh yeah. my God, you're not going to hug me? I'm your mother, and you yep. love... You don't must not love me enough. Why don't you like me? Are you, did I do something wrong? Are you mad at me? Right? Mm. Like it would have been, been everything was ruled by, by a hand of guilt. Like we will just mm. fucking guilt you into doing what you want you to do. Um, you're not going to kiss your grandmother. You're not going to whatever. Oh. And, uh, and so I have to remind myself, like as much as it hurts, mm-hmm. she is her whole own individual person. Mm. And I have to respect that and I'm like mm-hmm. okay well you know that I'm here and I want to hug so when you feel up for it mm-hmm. come hit me up you know and she will yeah the beauty in that is that you are giving her ownership over her own body right which you know yes. right but like yep. that that is such a, a stark difference in you know our, our parents generation and our generation is we're aware right that that 
they should actually have ownership yeah, big <laughs> and time. autonomy it's over a- their own bodies so that, you know, God forbid they're in a situation where somebody wants to take of their bodies. They actually know how to say no and they know what it feels like for somebody to honor their own feelings and emotions. We've had to have so many of those conversations with family. Come give, you know, such and such a hug. And I have to step in and be like, no, actually, we don't force our children to touch other people. Yeah. Uh, right? And then you have it's to play that. It's a huge cultural shift. Huge. Oh, my God. Then you have to play that educational piece, right? Like, well, here's why. Here's why it's really important. But, yeah, that's a total yeah. shift. One of my favorite examples of that is tickling a small <sighs> child of any gender, Um where they're giggling and laughing and mm-hmm. saying, please stop, please stop. Yep. And we keep going because we, here are my air quotes, um, it looks like they're having fun. Yep. Like that is a rape victim waiting to happen Yep, right there. Yep. We should not teach our children that just because it looks like they're having fun, yep. they are. We need to hear their words. Yep. If and my we, son says stop, we stop. And I tell him when you say stop, that means stop, mm-hmm. no matter who's touching you, always. And it teaches them to use the words they intend to use. Mm-hmm. Be intentional about your word choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, does it feel especially, or has it felt especially brave for you, Sarah, to choose to become a mother when you did not have a mother figure in your life? Again, the parallels between motherhood and entrepreneurship are so <laughs> right. great because I had no clue what I was getting myself into with entrepreneurship either, and I really had no clue. <laughs> With with motherhood, it was really just that one day I thought this looks good, and and I right like maybe it was my mm-hmm. my biological clock or my biology <laughs> or evolution going like you have to do this. I have no clue, um, but it just felt you know, and I think culturally, you know, I was a married woman. We had been married for for multiple years. It like yeah, felt sure. like a logical next step, mm-hmm. but also something internally just said do this, you know, and because it's such a you know air quote normal thing to do, we just did it. I had no clue. There was no thought process there about like, this will be brave and hard, but I will do it anyway. If anything, I remember, (laughs) I remember being pregnant and being in Target and checking out and the cashier saying to me something to the effect of like, well, you better get your sleep now because you're never going to get it again. And I remember going home and saying to my husband, like, why is everybody so fucking crazy? I'm so sick of people telling me this because I'm so type A. I was like, I will rock this motherhood thing. Then you actually have a baby and you're like oh no no they people the i'm doing people were so nice trying to tell me to sleep <laughs> like i should have gone to sleep and and so i had no idea i would love to tell you that i was like this will be so brave and this will be the most beautiful you know self self-growth experience for me but i had no fucking clue just like i had no fucking clue with with entrepreneurship i, I Today, feel yes <laughs> yeah but in retrospect does it feel i'll tell you why yes. that that question comes to me is i have a, a client right now um who is just on this lovely journey of self-trust and growth. Mm. And again, I just don't get from you. I'm not hearing from you that that's that's ever been your particular struggle. Not that I'm saying life's been all rosy. But she has a really unhealthy relationship Mm. with her mother Mm. and as such feels like she doesn't have the tools and resources she needs to be a good one. And we've been doing a lot of work on you don't have to be the person your mother was you don't have to be that kind of mother you have knowledge and you can change this you can consciously choose something else um and so I think there are a lot of people out there listening who are maybe missing that confidence piece a little bit um and I'd love if you have a piece of advice to share with folks who um are in a situation where they don't feel like they've got the foundation to be a great mother, what would you tell them? I would tell them that just like any other thing that you embark on in your life, we're all we're all winging it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care who tells you otherwise. <laughs> we are all winging it. Um, and so if that's if that's the truth, right? You were talking before about kind of canceling this perfection culture, and especially as it relates to motherhood mm-hmm. and parenting, right? So so you can believe, you know, the beautiful story that you see on somebody's highlight reel on Instagram, or you can believe the, the honest conversations that people like myself and everybody else who comes on your podcast, you know, are having. You can choose to believe that you can be a really great parent alongside struggle and shame and your own internal, you know, growth and trauma they're not mutually exclusive, right? You don't have to not have what you're going through. You don't have to not be on the journey that you're on in order to be a great parent. They can happen at the same time. Mm, That's lovely. That's (laughs) beautiful. Thank you. (sighs) 
I am super excited to ask you this question. Mm. How do you like to celebrate? Big, little, personal, professional, what, how do you celebrate? <laughs> food. <laughs> I know, right? I love food. I, I, I did not realize until quarantine how much joy <laughs> I derived from food. So when this first happened, right? That was the time. Uh, well, you're in a big city, yeah. right? You're yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. So um, I'm not in a big city, but I'm, you know, kind of outside of a main city. And I remember when the shelves didn't have flour and meat and, you know, everybody was freaking out. And so we were all playing this game of like, how do we make from what we have, which is a really cool game to play. Um, but really every weekend, my husband and I would make a, a like a, a food menu for the weekend. We would have this cocktail and, you know, this menu for dinner. And then I would bake XYZ on Saturday and like that was our joy point in every single week while we were you know waking up at five o'clock in the morning to work before my son got up and then you know play this game of tag with childcare and work that was the joy that we derived during that time and so um food (laughs) I've really come to realize how much I enjoy food and so food is usually it's still our celebration point every Friday night. We make ourselves margaritas and we order in and I just love food. I just think food is so fun. <laughs> I love it. Food. I'm in. I love it. There are a <laughs> lot of different ways to celebrate, right? Some people meditate. Some people take a walk. Some people do a dance party. That's me. Um, mm, and aww. food or it depends, right? I get that we celebrate on different levels based on what we're celebrating. But sometimes like I, I make three main commitments for the day and the, and really focus on knocking those three commitments out. And mm-hmm. when I click the button, I use an app that's called Commit to Three. They, sh- they should totally start giving me a referral fee because I refer them for everything. Yes, they should. And um, they're not a sponsor of the show. So they should be. Yes, which I know, right? <laughs> um, but when I click that third thing, like I've done that third commitment for the day, um, I'm so proud of myself. There's, I find a moment where I'm like, oh, I did it. Like I pump my fist. I'm like, yes, today is a win. But then, you know, I launched my Intentionally Brave Entrepreneurs Program and or I have Intentionally Brave Week and I support loads of people in growth and all of these wonderful things. Well, that's a bigger one. We do bigger celebrations for those. We, da- we close out with dance parties and champagne or whatever. So mm-hmm. I always love reminding people to celebrate all of the moments mm. um, because it gets too hard and it's too heavy when we don't. Mm. And celebration can really be simple. Yes. I do the same thing with clients. Every week I have a check-in point with them on Mondays. And one of the questions is, what are you celebrating from last week? And like, I don't care what it is. Like, I don't care if you're celebrating the fact that like you woke up every day and that's a win. Like that's a freaking win some weeks. And I'll ask them, and how are you celebrating? And it's always really fun to see because when I have new clients, they're like, um, I guess I'll go buy a thing. And I'm like, well, that's great. You can totally buy a thing. But like, do you really feel joy and celebration when you buy it or do you just like think that you're supposed to buy something (laughs) great question yeah um so and it can be that right sometimes I do buy myself things like you know the pajamas from Amazon that just came to my front door which I'm very excited about but um (laughs) I love when when celebration can be just an easy thing yeah you know yeah and that's really what I love the gift that I love sharing with people every week is that it can be it can be just a few minutes of quiet or you know reading for a few minutes or mm-hmm. you know whatever whatever it is that you want it to be it can be anything just like bravery there are a million ways to celebrate there are a million things to celebrate there are a million ways to choose bravely every day yes 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 i am so into that sarah what is your favorite charitable organization to support I have two right now. Well, I'm always supporting Planned Parenthood awesome. because reproductive rights are really important and yeah. really, really, really important right now. <laughs> yes, they um, are. And the ACLU Legal Defense Fund is the other one that I've been supporting lately and really putting um, financial support behind both personally and in my business. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful organizations. We ask this question every week. I ask this question every week because what I know for sure is that if we do not show up for one another in our communities, in our in our neighborhoods, in our towns, in our country, and globally, um, we can't thrive. Mm. And so it's always so exciting for me week after week to share new perspectives on organizations, whether they're the ones that you picked, which we already all know about, but <laughs> but why they they matter so much to you. Or sometimes I get you know small local organizations, um, but. We must support one another to thrive. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that is so wonderful. So, Sarah, quickly, just tell folks, you, you're such a powerhouse. Um, obviously, you. you're a fun, engaging parent who is figuring this out <laughs> on your own. Uh, but tell people very quickly a little bit about what you do when you're not momming. Yeah. So I mentor and coach women starting or scaling online done-for-you service-based businesses. So those are usually women or men, there's a couple of men in there, who call themselves virtual assistants, online business managers, social media managers, graphic designers, web designers, Pinterest managers, all that good stuff. Um, And I actually started my business in 2017 as a virtual assistant. I had a 16-month-old who wasn't sleeping, by the way. God, (laughs) I mean, that'll just contribute to postpartum depression, if nothing else. Um, Who wasn't sleeping, and I had a career uh, at the time, and I just felt like I was doing a shit job at both. I Mm. felt like I was sucking at my career and sucking at motherhood, and... I took a leap of faith and started a VA business because I felt like there had to be something better to do than what I was doing. And it worked. Um, I signed a bunch of clients and ended up uh, creating a a team of eight all mama VAs to work with me because we had so much business. Um, And then I got to the point, honestly, Heather, where I, I felt like I had more to say and more people to support and help. And I saw so many women around me asking what I was doing and how I did it and could they really do it? You know, I think... Um, fortunately or unfortunately, sometimes it can feel like a scheme, right? Like there's no way you could actually just start a business from home and make money, but you like, can. yes, you because can. we live in 2020. Um, <laughs> and so I just felt like I had more to say and I had more people to help. And so I started figuring out how I could do that, how I could help other women do exactly what I uh, had done. And so I started out doing one-to-one mentoring and that went really well and amazing. And then last year I, uh, created a course Uh, that helps people start VA businesses in six weeks. One of my favorite parts of the course and mentoring, you know about this, but we uh, run a matchmaking service on the back end of my business where I match online entrepreneurs or any small business owners who are looking for virtual support in their business with service providers. And then we provide our one-to-one students and students in our course with those leads. So it really helps people actually get off the ground and actually (laughs) sign paying clients and make a legitimate business very quickly. It's so so needed because I think that's the thing I see most entrepreneurs struggle with is they know that they need help and they're like oh I really I this VA thing this sounds great I need a VA or I need a social media manager but the the get there and get the right person is so overwhelming and you can ask on Facebook or in all the groups you're in or you can go on Upwork or whatever but there's no vetting process and it's just it's a full-time job Mm -hmm. to find somebody so your matchmaking stuff is awesome Thank you. I wanted to share that with people because I think a lot of the, and in fact, I know that a lot of our listeners are work from home parents mm-hmm. who are trying to scale businesses and and grow themselves, um, or even if they don't own their own businesses, they're scaling their lives in certain ways and they can use support. Um, and I just wanted everyone to know that you're doing this. And then I want to get one tip from you: mm. running this business from home, helping <laughs> other people learn how to run their business from home. While parenting, number one survival tip. What is it? Grace. <laughs> Grace. That's what I'm I talking mean, about. There just is no perfect. I, I mean, I will have days where I'm like, I knocked it out of the park. You have your um, app for your three things. I write three things down every day. If I hit those three things in a day, I am like, I am the shit. I have done it. <laughs> Yes. Uh, this uh, well, I'm going to make a million dollars like I, right <laughs> and, but like that doesn't happen every single day and I think that we you know fortunately and unfortunately live in an age of of social media and it can be very easy to only see people's highlight reels and forget that there are so many other moments and points in those days that you are not seeing. Um, and so just continually giving yourself grace and being your own biggest cheerleader is the most important thing in entrepreneurship, but it is so freaking important when you're doing it alongside raising humans. Yep. Oh, I love that. And I, grace is a word I use all the time. I think it's mm. brilliant. So speaking of words, will you share your three words with us one last yes. time? Yes. They are introspective, resilient, and forgiving. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so all of that. I see all of that. I feel all of that introspective in, in order to process everything and move through it. And you are resilient as hell, uh, clearly. And right before we started recording the interview, um, I shared with you that scientifically, they've proven that resiliency mm. is the number one key factor in whether or not someone will be successful. So it's no wonder that you're a business badass. Okay. Um, just for one moment, 
Let's talk about forgiving. Where does forgiveness fit into the conversation we've had today? I, I have forgiven my mother so much for being an imperfect human and, and, and forgiven her for any, you know, damage or wrongdoings that she's done to me or anyone else, um, you know, consciously or unconsciously. And I really think so much of it is unconscious, but either way, you know, forgiveness to her. And then the, the beautiful part there is if I can extend forgiveness to her, then I can also extend forgiveness to myself in any way where I will most definitely miss the mark as a parent to my own child, because I will. At some yeah. point. Um, yeah, so that's where forgiveness comes in. Is I, can, I, yeah. I have fully forgiven her, and I have no animosity um, towards her. I still carry a lot of sadness and sorrow, but I, I, I've fully forgiven her. And, and again, I think, you know, when we can do that for other people, we can do it for ourselves, too, and vice versa. Yeah. When we said that earlier, forgiveness isn't about those we're forgiving. It's about us and the energy and the space that we hold. And also... Um, what I think is a really sort of valuable unsaid nugget in that is you can forgive your mother fully and still know that there is no space for her in a healthy way mm-hmm. in your family and in your life. Mm-hmm. Those things can coexist. Hmm. The duality of life, I tell you. It's something, isn't it? <laughs> well, this has been wonderful. If folks are curious, they want to reach out to you, learn more, how do they find you? My website is www.sarahwiles.co. No M, because, you know, there is another Sarah Wiles. Because you couldn't get that URL. Because I couldn't get it. We asked her. <laughs> she was like, my, no, peace out. <laughs> my husband reached out and was like, please, he's an attorney. So I was like, go speak to her, an attorney. And uh, she was like, no, fuck off. Um, <laughs> we tried. Um, and I hang out on Instagram a lot. So I'm at underscore, or Sarah, S-A-R-A underscore Wiles, W-I-L-E-S. That's my main platform. But those are the two places that you can find me. And if you're looking for uh, a VA or an OBM, you can find the link to that on my website. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for spending mm. some time with us and, and sharing all of these lovely insights and moments and your truth. I'm very grateful. Mm, my pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. So friends, I, I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. I am telling you, um, my favorite takeaway from this entire conversation is the duality of life, is this idea um, that we can hurt and thrive at the same time, that we can we can grow and be still at the same time, that we can forgive and love and still hold space for ourselves all at the same time. So I would love to know what spoke to you about this or any episode. Please give us a call at 312-646-0205 and share with us what you loved in about any of our episodes, what you'd like to see in upcoming episodes, or tell us how you're out choosing bravely. I'm so honored that you spend your time here with us. Thank you. Come back next week. We'll see you on Thursday. This is Heather Vickery reminding you today and always to go out and choose bravely. Hey, friends, I want to share something really exciting with you. We already know you enjoy listening to podcasts because you're listening to this one, but I'm also betting you enjoy audiobooks. And hey, listen, if you don't already enjoy audiobooks, then it's time to check them out. That's why I'm really excited to share Libro.fm with you. They are an incredible new platform for listening to audiobooks. And by choosing Libro.fm over other audiobook services, you are supporting a local bookstore of your choice and investing in your local community. Libro.fm offers over 150,000 audiobooks via their primary platform, which, by the way, they built with love and from scratch because they're a small business also. They even offer bookseller recommendations for great audiobook options. You can sign up right now via www.vickeryandco.com slash librofm. That's vickeryandco.com slash L-I-B-R-O-F-M. And when you do, you'll get one free audiobook of your choice and the proceeds will go to your favorite local bookstore. Now, check what I just said there. You're going to get a free book and the proceeds are still going to go to your local bookstore because Libro.fm makes sure that their booksellers get paid even when they give a promo to customers. I've listened to over 20 audiobooks this year alone. 
I especially love listening to memoirs read by the author. And it feels great knowing that all of my purchases support my local bookstore, The Book Table, in Oak Park, Illinois. Libro.fm. The same audiobooks, the same price, but a completely different story. Check them out right now at vickeryandco.com slash Libro.fm. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Maybe you've had this thought and then quickly shut it down because who has the time? Or you don't know how, or gosh, it just all seems too hard. If you have something to share with the world, we want to encourage you to get your message out. The world needs to hear it. Did you know that 50% of all homes are podcast fans? If you've ever wondered about having your own podcast or how it can increase your business or get your message across, then please join me and the other experts from the Podcast Power Academy for our monthly free Q&A session. It's called, So You Want to Start a Podcast? This casual live conversation will help you understand how podcasting can be a great decision, why now is the best time to get started, and how to get into action with it. Visit podcastpoweracademy.com to learn more. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories of people living courageously. To learn more about the show, find our show notes and full episode transcripts, or to get some great bonus content, visit thebravefilespodcast.com. And we would love to know what you think of the show. You can give us a call at 312-646-0205. Let us know your thoughts on the episode, the show in general, or maybe share with us how you're out choosing bravely. This episode is brought to you by Vickery & Co. Success Coaching. Coaching that helps you maintain a life well-lived and a business well-run. Learn more at vickeryandco.com. Our music was created and produced in a custom collaboration with Matt Lewis from ML Creative Consulting, a boutique firm dedicated to helping clients identify their unique sound and amplify their brand with custom delivered soundtracks. We couldn't do any of this without our extraordinary audio engineer, Andrew Olson. Learn more about him and check out his work at findandrewolson.com. And special thanks to everyone on Team Brave from our producers, associate producers, copy editors, writers, and support team. Special thanks to Molly, Mary, Kim, Sabra, and Sabrina. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week.